Take it from the top. Take one. This is Within. Shifting the conversation on who is in prison. Recording within three prisons across the Colorado Department of Corrections. Denver Women's Correctional Facility. Sterling Correctional Facility. Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center. Denise Price. Andrew Drake. Terry Mosley Jr. Sean J. Marshall. Ashley Hamilton. Sarah Berry. Brett Phillips. Angel Lopez. Travis Barnes. Matthew Labonte. Ms. Graham. Here at Within, as we work to shift the conversation on who is in prison, we've asked our guests and our hosts to freely share their perspective. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly those of the person who gave them. Because we recorded this season virtually across so many sites, there's going to be moments where our sound quality is not as perfect as we wanted it to be. We'll ask for your understanding and let you know that we're always working to provide a wonderful listening experience. This episode of Within contains mature content surrounding opinions on race, class, and societal and economical separation. While listening to this episode and sensitive content, we ask that you please take care of yourself. Society's neglected us, utterly disrespected us, socially rejected us, mentally, they've infected us. Have you ever heard that we as people are made of the same material as the stars? Yeah, Denise, I most certainly have. What do you think about that? Because when I heard this, I gathered a new perspective on the little bigness we are as humans on this planet. I say that to pose this cosmic question to you. Well, without getting too scientific, I believe that we are all made of the same thing as the stars. I believe that everything in creation is connected and related and we wouldn't be here if not for this great, you know, this spectacular cosmic dust. Okay, so how do we explore the different worlds we all live in while inhabiting this same planet? Well, we can explain that, and we do explain that in this episode of Same Planet, Different Worlds. We do explore that greatly. Is it exploration in the questions that beg to be asked? We are exploring and asking the questions. And this episode was born out of the exploration of what it means to be born on the same planet, but to be living in different worlds. These are the questions that dig into the terrain of others' landscapes. The grit of race, economics that separate. Is it the divide in our communities? Can the awareness of our blind spots be found by reaching out to others? And then I got to say, what if we reckon with the fact we don't know what we don't know? Denise, we never know what we don't know. But in order to know something new, we have to dig in. And in this episode, we did exactly just that. And we found some brave souls willing to explore with us, and some have. And they've planted their flags in their worlds. And it's very interesting because as human beings, we sit next to each other, we walk next to each other, we talk to each other. Um, But for all of those interactions that we have with one another, it still seems as if we exist on different planets. We do. No matter how much time we spend together, no matter, you know, it's like we could live in the same house. But if I'm looking in the back, if I'm standing in the backyard and I'm looking out, I'm going to tell you a different perspective. You know, I. It's really hard to explain because this is a complex topic that we're talking about. That you and I, human beings, doing the same thing, sharing the podcast, but yet we really do live in two different worlds. 
We definitely do. And for a moment, let's reflect on our last couple of episodes, The Great Divide and The Great Bridge. You know, we were talking about blue lives matter, black lives matter, all lives matter, race and economic status and everything in between. And it's very interesting because everyone that lives in this country is experiencing the same thing, but having different experiences within that same situation. (laughs) And how can that be? Right. That's what makes this so complex. Don't you think? It's not that I think it's that I know. And I think that um, 2020 revealed to us that we all do live in the same planet. Absolutely. But we all come from different worlds um, because of our past, because of our culture, because of our lived experience. It creates our identity that we see the world through. Um, You and I could have the same prescription glasses, but we're going to see it differently. You know, there was a dress that hit the the internet a couple years back and they were like, is it blue or is it black? What do you see? And some people would say they saw blue and some people would say they saw a different color, but it was the same dress, but it was the way your eyes saw the, the dress. So there's no easy way. There's no clean, concise way to talk about what we're talking about. But I think as people start understanding what we're trying to show, we're trying to get people to understand that the guy sitting next to you in the car in traffic he might be speeding through the light because he's got somewhere to go and he thinks his his mission in that moment is more important than slowing down to let you merge you know and so i think that's where radical grace has to be exercised in those moments because we share the same moment in time sometimes but we're experiencing it totally differently and this episode's content is very very complicated but What we keep seeing as we talk to people is that all of our different identities are the makeup of our society. And in this episode of Same Planet, Different Worlds, we're going to hear from our own music producer, Travis Barnes. Then we'll hear from a variety of voices. And I love this piece because we spoke to both men and women, both incarcerated people and prison staff. And we didn't ask their names, residency or occupation. We asked their age, gender, ethnicity, and what has helped shape their own individual world. And this section of this episode is very interesting because even though we are all different, these voices illustrate the many ways that we are all similar. And again, it's complicated, right? But just because it's complicated doesn't mean that we don't explore what it is that has helped mold and define us all. And then finally, we cap the episode off by hearing from Travis once again as he speaks with our executive producer, Dr. Ashley Hamilton. And together, they dig deeper into this concept of all of us operating as individuals within this one world that we occupy. So, Denise, that's the layout. So let's hop into it and take a stroll with Travis as he gives a monologue and poetically guides us through the territory of what has helped shape his world. Starting with keeping guns in a diaper bag. Society's neglected us, suddenly disrespected us, socially rejected us, mentally they're affecting us, no plans of accepting, incarcerated the best of us, scheming and planning and now they're plotting on the rest of us. Tell me this, if I do not speak, what is my voice? And if I keep quiet, What would I be saying? 
objectively. How one should respond to these questions really depends on exactly what I know. For example, I know that my name is Travis Rashad Barnes. And at one point in my life, what I knew led me to carry guns in my daughter's diaper bag. December 25th, 1979, I was born in Denver, Colorado, St. Joseph's Hospital. Like most cities, we, the people of Denver, flow through its veins. Its life is in our living, its breath is in our breathing, its blood is in our veins. When we're in motion, the city moves, and when we sleep, the city waits. It waits to embrace us. From those from the city of Denver, all the way down to the northeast side, to Park Hill, to the suburbs of Montbello and Aurora, the fragrance of the city is unique. And my generation is all that is left of a world that once was. We inherited the streets and buildings that have held and hid the struggles and tears of those who have gone before us. Like a generational curse, economic disparity has been passed down like a torch by our predecessors. And we've merely taken our place beneath the whip of a merciless master called hunger and various trials. In a land wherein there seemed to be only one law, and that law survived. I lived everywhere from the Arapaho Projects to a rundown apartment complex on 29th in California. I've stayed on 23rd in Humboldt to 22nd in Race, 30th in Olive Street to 34th in Franklin. Then when my dad's hustling paid off, we moved up. But when he went to prison, yeah, we moved back down. You know what, speaking of my dad, let me tell y'all something about him. More than anyone else, who I thought he was, that was actually the person who raised me. The weight of him, his cool, his gold, his heat, his cold, his guns, like living next to the sun instead of raising me it was more like he lowered me down yeah he brought me down to his kind of up you feel me higher beneath the waves of a love that was unlovely weed smoke in the air the clanging of dominoes gray flannel cologne and old spice the flash of a pistol jewelry women cars tough words tough love made a tough kid my father's son Papa's face held out the reflection of perfection, flawless under the inspection of the child, prostrate at the altar of the idol he called Dad. I wasn't born, I was built, fashioned, designed, forged even in a furnace of affliction by a beautiful kind of ugly, the right kind of wrong, indeed the best dad in the world. By the time my first child was born, I had been baptized and ordained as a minister of my inherited madness, though. My education came at the cost of great pain and suffering, and most of it was not mine. Like a dream, we just don't live these lives we witnessed then. Yet like dreams, it's hard to understand, let alone explain what it is that we have seen or what it is that we're looking at. You see, where I'm from, both the secrets of scary people and the kindness of monsters permeate the environment. A child witnessing the horrors of drug addictions, gang violence, and domestic abuse. An adolescent bearing the weight of poverty in the form of dirty clothes. 
secondhand shoes and drug dealer ambitions. This world seemed like the streets only led you right back to where you started. Sure, you can turn on your television and you can see there is another world out there, but is it real? When all you've ever seen it from was in your living room and you wish for it, but you don't know how to get to it. And in between now and then, get your wipes, get your bottles, your toys, your pampers, your towels, and oh yeah, you better grab that pistol, homie, and put all of this in your daughter's diaper bag because this is how you keep her safe, Travis. This is how you and her are gonna make it back home, God willing. For so long, though we share a planet, I felt as if we didn't live in the same world, at least not the same world of those who didn't share our learned experience. I now understand that such is not the case. While it is true that the economic woes I experienced growing up are very commonplace amongst a certain demographic of people. Yet, as a people, opportunity is represented by every person we encounter. And like so many others who've triumphed over the oppressive forces that have left so many shackled to poverty and dependency, we too possess the capacity to overcome the dishonorable inclination to assume a victim stance while cultivating a resolve to educate ourselves with the practical knowledge by which we may avail ourselves of those said opportunities whenever they are presented. I sure hope you track it with me. Indeed, I had guns in my daughter's diaper bag at night, but I did get up to go to work in the morning. I started as a dishwasher at a deli. I moved up to being the baker, made it out front to the sandwich block, and from there I was promoted to assistant manager. All the while, my boss never knew that I had a gun in my bag in my locker because that's what I thought I needed to make it home at night. Now you tell me, was I wrong? I've been shot at driving down the street on my way home. I've been shot at with somebody hiding in the bushes as I was on my way home. And I've been shot at by rivals, you know, while in the midst of doing things I had no business to be doing. Was I wrong? Indeed, there's a difference between an excuse and an explanation. But explanations do not excuse disease thinking. Yes, <laughs> we were all wrong. But that's all right. You can have eyes that see and still be blind in this world where insight is really better than eyesight. So personally, in Jesus' name, I know that we can lay hold of a change of mind that issues in a change of conduct. That's a transformation I myself have experienced. I know that we can look our fears in the face and acknowledge that we are vulnerable and embrace the fragility of our humanity. I know that we can love our neighbors and do unto others as we would have them do unto us. While at the same time, we can step back and survey the land and ask ourselves, what have we done? I mean, really, look at the world, man. What does it say about our planet when we have dads that don't feel safe without a gun in their baby's diaper bag? I was raised in the 
slums the gutter with bread and butter what's the wish blowing out birthday candles changing my channels with riches bus stop bitches in the midst of the trenches with riches is only living for christmas and ten inches of snow smoke gray flannel the streets of denver the flicker of dreams on a television and the choices not able to be made i say that because travis had a way at least for me he planted me right in his world and i know i can hear every critic say yes he was wrong he perpetuated harm and he threat and the threat that he was just as who he was at that time even as the father he was trying to protect his family he had choices yeah he had a variety of choices but you do realize denise that in the inner city it's a common belief that the people that are sworn to protect us most often don't and so then it becomes a question of whose responsibility is it to protect whom and i imagine that the sensation existing inside of travis was like when you get so cold it feels like it burns well that is until his daughter was born and you know the struggle of seeing and knowing two realities that in and of itself is it's more than challenging right it's like you're trying to steer a car straight through chaos because we all have basic needs especially when we believe that the monsters are real what do we see when we hold the mirror of ourselves up against the way in which we view the world the world we inhabit with every human is complex the onus to not perpetuate more harm rests on anyone of privilege. So I ask, Andrew, what do you define as privilege? Well, to me, privilege is being one step ahead of other people, being more accepted, considered to have worth and granted more opportunity. And in my opinion, that is what the definition of what privilege is in our country. But I also think that this conversation is about more than just privilege. It's about what has created us, the situations and circumstances that have molded us into what we are today. And now we're going to hear from an assortment of voices, a diverse collection of people, all living in this country, all having different experiences. And these voices will illustrate and explain what exactly has made their worlds as seen through their eyes on race, class, socioeconomic status, gender, and their experience with privilege or the lack thereof. And I really love this segment because of all the diverse perspectives that it provides. But enough of me, let's hear them out. So I am a 40-year-old Mexican-American male. The birth of my son has been the biggest influencer of my adult world. Yeah, I never knew I could love some, somebody so much. Having him look, look up at me when I held him the first time and, you know, just knowing that from that moment on, I wanted to be a better me every day. I am a 35-year-old Caucasian female. There's this mental thought that prison is what you see on TV, that, it, that it's mass chaos all the time. Riots and fighting and 
serial murderers and serial rapists and that everyone you encounter is going to be like jacked up and violent. And then you get here and you get to see people for who they are and see their humanity. I think it's given me some more humanity. I see people for who they are and how they act and how they treat people. I've learned to just have a little more understanding for people and to kind of read between lines, you know, like try to see like what people don't want you to know. I'm 45 years old and I'm a young black male. What has shaped my world? I am the third. I was named after my father who was named after his father. So what has shaped my world is being named after my dad and trying to live up to the standards of being my dad. I'm a 46-year-old white female. Um, honestly, watching my mother suffer with cancer and seeing her, um, watching her suffer a long death, even though it sounds morbid, it, it may be, be a better person because I understand now how much time and relationships are important more than I ever have before. Uh, it's made me focus on being present and in the moment and making memories that are cherished forever. It's also triggered me to be a, uh, a person that has a greater appreciation for mankind as a whole and that life is precious. I cherish every moment. Biracial, black and Mexican, 38 years of age. Things that shape my world, it's a hard question. When you come down to it, you have to think, is it the things when I've knowingly changed or was it prior to that when I had no choice in changing? I'm 43 years old and I'm white. What has most shaped my world would be, first and foremost, God, family, fun, laughter, mostly laughter, um, and violence, but not necessarily in that order. As a kid growing up, it was really hard. Um, my dad, my bio dad, left when I was young and then entered the stepdad. He was a very violent drinker. So it was like, what do you do to get rid of that darkness? What do you do to get rid of that hatefulness that was around you all the time? But I also had extracurricular activities um, after school. Um, I was a track star for a long time, and I loved to run. And that shaped a lot of my world, too. But family, mostly, and laughter. 40 years old, biracial, Hispanic, and black. What has shaped my world is being biracial are the stigmas of others that are projected on me being that I am biracial and how I should be one way and that I'm not one way. Hi, I'm a 56-year-old African-American woman. My cancer diagnosis taught me to take care of myself um, and about processed foods. Therapy taught me, well, a class and therapy, a class I took on seven habits taught me about interdependence and that was, um, 
it was an epiphany for me because I learned that I could, you know, accomplish more together with other people than by myself when independence was my world then. Working with other people was awesome. It really is because you learn things, you teach things, and you can see the fruit of your work and you can see the fruit of your work intertwined with other people. It's an awesome thing. I'm African-American, 40 years of age, and the thing that has shaped my world is with my brother, with the vision that he's seen, and it actually took for me to come back to prison to actually see what he was trying to get me to do in life which is to actually live, be on positive, productive, family-orientated, more structured. So now since I am able to see the, the vision, uh, the vision that I actually do have in life, so we can all come together as one. I could say the neighborhood that I was born and raised in, how we always had to put ourselves in position to do pretty much anything that we wanted to do in life. Like, I was never told to... I had to do this or I had to do that. Like I had to put my, like I said, I had to put myself in position to do anything I wanted to do, even as a child. So I'm 41. Um, I'm from Mexico. I grew up in Mexico. Um, three of my sisters, I grew up with my grandma and I, I, I started working when I was a little girl. I was working the fields since I was seven years old. I grew up only with my grandma, my mom and my dad, they leave us, so to see my grandma be sick and sometimes she don't have um, the money to buy the food for fitas. So that's why um, that was the reason I had to start working since I was really young, never going to school, like ever in my life. Changed me a lot because make me the person I am right now. I'm really like independent. I like to work and to don't wait for somebody give me what I need. I know that I need to work and find out on my own. And just to think like tomorrow's can be better than today. I'm 62 years old, Caucasian. I think the greatest thing that has shaped my world, my perceptions and experiences in it, have been my choices. When I was younger, I made some very bad choices in my life that had catastrophic results. As I've grown older, encountered more of life's experiences, I've realized the direct correlation between those choices and the final outcomes. Um, I'm a 40-year-old African-American woman. What has most shaped my world is me coming to prison. Um, when I was out, I just really didn't value things as much as I value them now. Um, when I sit and I look back, like, I notice that God has been with me every day, every step of the way. Um, I feel as if I didn't come to prison, I would not be the person that I am now. I would only still think about myself instead of thinking about everybody and who it impacts. Um, most of all, my children, they have probably got the worst of it all with me being here but now I'm able to call them and just let them know that if this wouldn't have happened things probably would have been worse because everything isn't always bad or everything doesn't have to be thought of bad it's just where I put myself in every situation 
I'm 56 years old and uh, I am I was originally born and raised in India. Growing up in a middle class family, I have seen poverty as it comes along and uh, what I've also seen are the discriminations that play a major role in our societies and how one must move through life without labels and judgments. I strongly believe that color of our blood is all red, which means we are unified. I strongly believe that I'm, I'm really um, a microscopic contributor to this world, but at the same time, when I put forward the need to look at people, their needs, their lifestyles, how they function, and giving them a brand new look free of judgments and labels, sometimes the contact feels very refreshing and very different. I wish, I wish there wasn't so much hate, so much labeling and so much judgment in the world. We're only humans trying to navigate life. If only we knew that this is what everybody else is seeking, this world would be a much more peaceful and vibrant place than what it is. I am a 46-year-old white man, and honestly, what has most shaped my world is the fact that I'm a man. I have been able to get things that others haven't been able to get, enter places where I've seen women turned around, and, you know, yeah, I think it's just being a man has shaped my world. Denise, that last statement brings me back to privilege. And as a man, I am very aware that I have some privilege simply because I am a man. But as a black man in America, I am also very aware of the societal privilege that historically is given to white men, wealthy people, and educated people. And even in the black and brown communities of our nation, there is a separation between the have and the have nots. And this bothers me as well, because it's such a base part of the fabric of us as a country that when we fill out applications for a job or credit checks or scholarships, there are these questions that begin to define, separate, and categorize you or me, or her, or him, or them, or us. And historically, the quote-unquote privileged of our nation usually benefit from this. And my question to that is, does this type of accounting need to happen all the time? Do we need to separate ourselves within these categories? It's easy to just categorize, right? I think it, it makes it simplifies life. White privilege goes deeper than just white people. Don't take that in any way, but I think the problem is, is it's just too simple. It simplifies it. White does not define poor, single, parent, GED versus a diploma, mentally ill versus felon. The list of separation goes on. There's much more to this dream, I think, that we have been sold. Yes, white rich men have defined, categorized, and built the worlds we have socially accepted. Wait, you said built. What exactly do you mean by built? Well, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. Okay, not built. White men plundered many other cultures to create our America today. Our responsibility is to stop perpetuating lies we've accepted. But just as I say white men, 
I can't pigeonhole all white men. It's the need to stop the one size fits all social acceptance that we do, this culture. All right, I hear what you're saying and what you're trying to say. You know what? I absolutely agree with you. And I have to add that we have to see that the differences of people are what makes us uniquely amazing, right? The tapestry of cultures and heritage within this world, the earth, are all threaded together. You know, and we can't all fit inside these little bitty boxes that we are being told to check off. That that doesn't make sense because we're human and we just can't. Do you know why I love this podcast? I have a feeling that I should know the answer to this question, but I am going to ask you why. Well, really, because we're taking on a trip through conversations of other people's landscapes, like with Travis, um, Ashley, the landscapes of our very own team members, gaining new understanding to them to see their vantage points. Uh, it's refreshing and it's also so thought provoking. You're right. It is. So let's get with Ashley and Travis as they converse and give us some food for thought. It matters what thoughts think thoughts. It matters what knowledge is no knowledge is. It matters what relations relate relations. It matters what worlds world worlds. Donna Haraway. When the Within team sat down to design season two, we started it in the summer of 2020. And it was a really extreme moment in all of our lives personally, but also just in our country. George Floyd had just been murdered. COVID was raging across the country. And we were in the heat of the moment of the Biden-Trump campaign and election. And we came together across these three prison facilities and my office. And we started to have conversations about what we needed to get into in season two what we should be talking about, who we should be talking to. And there's obviously just endless topics that we were really eager to explore from COVID to race, class, the political landscape to the criminal justice system and its reform, restorative justice, and, and on and on. But we also kept kind of coming back to this same idea as we were shaping and exploring what the season would entail, what these episodes would feel like, our team kept coming back to this idea of worlding worlds or the idea that we're all walking around with our own perception of the world. And those perceptions create reality and those realities create worlds. So in this episode, we've been talking about this concept of that we're all living our lives on the same planet, but we're experiencing different worlds so in this next segment, I'm going to be interviewing Travis, uh, talking to him a little bit more. Uh, we heard in segment one of this episode, his guns in a diaper bag monologue, but I'm curious to um, hear more of his thoughts on the perception that has created his reality and the reality that has then created his world. So Travis, I'm curious from your perspective, how would you say we've come to have such different worlds on this one planet. So from my vantage point, 
everybody has their presuppositions, right? And for those who don't know what a presupposition is, it's the fundamental commitments of our hearts. So when a guy starts a business or our judicial system, the structures that are in place were put together by people who have the fundamental commitments of their heart, right? They have their presuppositions. People are flawed, and so we have a flawed society, right? We have flawed ways of dealing. We have a flawed justice system, and it's our flaws that have been perpetuated and compounded to where now you sit back and it just looks like one flaw built upon another, and those are the things that actually translate into the way our society is set up. And those things that bring us together are also born of our flaws in some cases, but are also the reasons why we stay separated, if that makes sense. Thank you for that, Travis. So in your monologue earlier in this episode, you referenced this idea of monsters or they or the other. I'm curious, when you say they or monsters, what are you referencing? And obviously... Your world has changed. Your perspective has changed now from who you were, um, who you're talking about in that monologue. But I'm curious, how would you sort of describe, describe that? My biggest monster for real was my fear, right? Like that was my monster. But my fear translated looking in my community at the people who I feel threaten my existence at my social construct that seemed precarious, that made me feel like my life was lived on a tightrope, or those people who represented what I feel to be elements that were detrimental to my existence, my survival. The, the way I was brought up, because obviously I see things different now, but the way that I was brought up, sadly to say, it was survival of the fittest, right? It was the law of the jungle, but it was translated in some of the most subtle ways. So it wasn't like my parents set me down and say, hey, you got to survive by any means. But everything that they did said that. We talk about, right, people who desire change and those who don't. Like, I definitely do recognize that there are people who want the world to stay bent towards their advantage. And that's why they don't want things to change. They don't want people that they feel they're superior than, that they're better than, that they're greater than, or those that are lesser than them creeping into their social construct and destroying the place, right? So that's that hang up, you know, this water fountain's for this sort of person only, or this restroom can only be used by these people, right? Like keep these people separate from us. But that even translates into African-American communities, you know, sadly to say, because again, you have the middle class and then you have those who don't have that much money. And then when you have the ball and drug dealer, right? He has all this money, he still lives in the hood, but he also doesn't want a certain class of people socializing with him. And then again, that just creeps back into the fundamental commitments of our heart and the way that we take our flaws and perpetuate them in the world. I find myself often reflecting and feeling like we're living in a really extreme moment in time as humans um, for humanity, like right now, 2020, 2021, 2022, right? 
And then I find myself sort of zooming out and wondering if everyone has always felt that way throughout history. Like, did everyone always think their moment in history was the most extreme? Um, But it does. It does feel extreme right now. The, you know, COVID, obviously, but the sort of political atmosphere throughout the world um, and so many different factors. It makes me, it makes me feel like we're almost on a precipice. And like we have to, as a species, as humans, it's like there's this decision in front of us that we need to make of, are we going to continue to allow ourselves to exist in these separate worlds? Are we going to allow or continue to allow so much separation, so much dissonance between us? Or is there another way? Is there another way that we can operate? Um, That choice feels very real, feels very present, I think, for me, especially in my work. And I don't know if other folks are feeling that intensity and that choice as well, but I know I am. I'm curious, Travis, um, what's your perspective on that? Would you, what do you think is, is coming? What needs to happen so that, we don't experience so much separation in our, in our worlds. So let's look at it like this, right? If we're talking about change, and then what does change look like? We all know that it is more easy for a human being to inflict pain than to endure it, right? So when we look at the players on the field, Innately, human beings have some baseline things that we all desire. Like we all desire satisfaction, significance, right? To, to be seen. And if you step back, if you look at what people are aiming towards, then sometimes destruction is what satisfies some people, right? And then their idea of change is to pull down the world on top of themselves. Wow, and then with that, they'll be satisfied. But then for those of us who look at the world and say something can be done about this, then change is not only lifting up ourselves, but lifting up those around us, right? Towards a world where there is peace, where there is harmony. But knowing that, yes, it is easier for a human being to inflict pain than to endure it. But then having that willingness to endure, right? Like that's the spirit of Martin Luther King, to endure what we must, even if it costs us our lives in order to leave the world better than we found it. And it seems like we live in a day where those type of souls are rare in the earth, right? Those willing to actually not just speak change and truth to power, but those really actually willing to get inside the fight. And the fight is not about throwing bricks into buildings, you know what I mean, and rioting in the streets, but it's actually making the kind of lasting impact that that will impact generations from now. So here on the Within team, we're constantly talking to people who have different worlds than us, right? Um, And not just in Within, but in a lot of the different work that I do and projects that I work on, I personally get to spend time with people who have different worlds or are living in different worlds than I am. Um, And our team here, you know, we all have really a, a diverse set of lived experiences, backgrounds, identities. And we managed to come together and have these really profound and incredible conversations as a team. And I've gotten to have really profound conversations with folks 
and my other projects as well. And I find that in those conversations, that's where worlds start to sort of, they can meet. There is something that happens where the worlds that at one point felt so separate and felt so dissonant, all of a sudden when you're in conversation, and especially when you're in the, the work of creating art about your storytelling, that like something opens up. And all of a sudden, your worlds don't feel so far apart, even if they are actually like really different lived experiences. There seems to be this thread of shared humanity um, that always comes to the surface. So I'm curious, Travis, um, for folks who don't, you know, regularly necessarily talk to people in different worlds than the one they're living in, what can allow someone to have a paradigm shift or have their perspective changed or allow their world to, yeah, to shift a little bit. I think it's like strings on a guitar. You know, you got the E, the A, the D, the G, right? Like you just have all these different sounds vibrating and reverberating in the world, but working together, we create a harmony that is, that is beautiful. So our differences are what complement one another. And then by the grace of God, if we can model that, right, to our listeners, that hey, you may be an E string and I may be an A or a D or, or whatever, right? Like you have a unique sound for a reason and so do I, right? So don't be, don't hate me because I'm not you. Just know that when we come together, like we can make something beautiful as opposed to trying to destroy one another because imagine if the strings on the guitar were to challenge each other and tear each other down, then you, there's no such thing as a one string guitar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so likewise in our world, like we have, we have our differences for a reason, but start to appreciate yourself and then you'll start to see the value in others as well. So Travis, I'm curious in your life, um, what happened to shift your paradigm and your perspective and to open up your world? It was a very long journey, but it really started, like it really started when, when a close friend of mine lost his life. And while I've never went to a funeral before, I went to his wake and like his, his death made me value my life and the fragility of it. But then it was also all the different people that I met along the journey who didn't share my skin tone or didn't share my upbringing, but they made me feel significant. They made me feel seen. They took their time and invested in who I am as a man and as a human being. And so it's been a process, but it's been a beautiful process of both discovery, of tearing down the lies that, that I was told and that inherited hatred, and then embracing the love that was extended to me. So Travis, I'm curious, for people who come from a very different world than you, what would you want them to know? I would say that everyone they meet represents an opportunity and people are like doors. You never really know what is behind them until you walk through them. But to walk through them, you have to get to know them. 
and they can connect you just like in this situation right here that we're in with realities that you hadn't even imagined like doing a podcast over three facilities in the throes of a global pandemic. <laughs> you know, but it was Ashley, she was the door, you know, and getting to know her, like she let us in. And then what was on the other side of that door was, yeah, stuff that you didn't even dream of coming true. And that's just one example. Thank you, Travis. So I'm curious, my final question for you. What are you doing to world worlds? I have this idea that it's like we all live in water and everything we do ripples, right? And resonates throughout it. And then because of that, there are some, most of us on this planet aren't really aware of how the smallest things we do translate and ripple. But then there are some of us who not only are aware of it, but we also know how to play well in the water. And then that's the way we not only create and bring forth things for other people to enjoy, but we also create opportunities that uplift and empower and encourage and inspire and breathe life and shine light into a world that is really not as dark as people imagine it to be. You know, Ashley just brought to light some shadows of the goals of what worlds do exist within our planet. And I know the jagged edges of those worlds and I want to answer her question because I believe we have to climb up mountains and endure the struggles to have relationship. You know, we have to fight for our relationships. We have to fight for what we love because community is more important than being right. And sometimes I wonder if it's harder to stay in the deep, dark valleys of these false beliefs, you know, to stay safe. If it's harder to do that than to simply just reach out and be lifted to another elevation to seek help, right? Because the help of others is what makes life easier. Relationships make life easier. We are tackling gigantic mountains, the layers of the worlds that have, like Ashley has said, consciously and unconsciously have been created. Yeah. And it's going to take the collective consciousness of all of those willing to explore, to set new paths. And that brings me back to Dean Williams. He is a trailblazer embarking into new territory each day, walking through fires of worlds to build new. We are worlding a new world right now, right here, right now. Are we not, Denise? Yeah, the crucible of fire with Dean Williams. <laughs> Seriously though, this trek we just took listening to everyone expose their experiences with such, I have to say it, gravitational honesty. I can't help but wonder. Andrew, if we're both in prison right now, if we departed prison side by side, I'd have to take my homie with me. But would we be exiting into a world we see as the same? Would we be afforded the same opportunities? As a non-felon? Not at all. 
Prison is a tie that binds a person to a certain stigma that our society seems hard pressed to let go of. So our worlds are very different. And sadly, Denise, no, we could not. We may agree on some things, but the reality is, is that I am different than you. You are different than me. We are different than them. They are different than us. And with that said, don't forget, we all have the same basic needs and desires. You know what I mean? And yet, you know, every culture, every heritage, every difference has enabled us to be innovative. And when we share our unique qualities, that becomes the blood of the entire human race. And in my opinion, we must always remember that. Wow. I just, I know I can't imagine that the shadows or, the, you know, I think of you lifting to another elevation. There's that shadow land that lays underneath it. I just think the lack of sunshine, it can't allow for much growth. But that's what I hear with the conversation with Ashley and Sarah. And I just, can I wonder with you for a moment, Andrew? Of course. Reaching higher ground is work. And not to cause any problems. I like, you know, I devil's advocate a little bit. But I think a lot of people are, they believe they're putting in enough work to be a good human. And that that's how they define safe. Because their world, their box is fine. Because even in like Travis... He said, you know, he he thought he was safe by what he was doing, but then the other people thought he wasn't. He was a harm. So I have to ask the question, was he wrong? Society's neglected us, utterly disrespected us, socially rejected us, mentally they've infected us. For Within Season 2, we have our resident poet, William S. Graham, from the Denver Reception and Diagnostic Center, back with us in the virtual room. In all of our interviews, Will sits, listens, and then crafts an individualized poem for each interview. Here's Will. Same world, different planet. It can be said, we are all strangers of the same kind. Locked away, doing time, behind the same line we try to define as truth. As if we climb over walls to fall, victim to the same overall view. I mean, let's take you for instance. Yeah, you, the one sitting there from elsewhere, aware or unaware of the stairs, the lack of care, the will to share your world with another, compared to being blind, truly blind. Aren't we all blind? Searching for enlightenment, trying to find our own kind. A look in the mirror reminds me to be better and do better, even during time. I ask, are we all from the same world? For more content, music, poetry, and visual art, look deeper within at thisiswithin.com. Within is... Ashley Hamilton, executive producer. Andrew Draper, co-host. Denise Presson, co-host. Terry Mosley, producer. Angel Lopez, Media Production and Creative Support. William S. Graham, Denver Complex Creative Consultant. Sean Marshall, Associate Producer. Travis Barnes, Creative Music Producer. Sarah Berry, Associate Producer. Matthew Labonte, Segment Co-Host. Brett Phillips, Segment Co-Host. 
Within is a collaboration between the University of Denver Prison Arts Initiative and the Colorado Department of Corrections. Thank you for listening and choosing to look within. I was raised in the slums, the gutter, where bread and butter was the wish, blowing out birthday candles, changing my channels with riches, bus stop bitches in the midst of the trenches, where riches is only living for Christmas in 10 inches of snow, close the door, but the cold won't leave, sleep on the floor, life is hard to believe, it was hard to breathe, my chest was feeling vexed, I ain't wearing no vest, knowing that God is still guarding my breaths, don't give me death, dear Lord, if he living this revealing my doom, weapons willing, no concealing the boom, just give me in this bed, that's the length of my coffin Bottle my sorrows, cause I'm drinking them often Hard knocks don't soften, we guard blocks We'll be rumble on this tumbling earth Hold your mud, never fumble your dirt And even though it hurts Know if your soul doesn't cry Then the rivers run dry Cause why? Society's neglected us, suddenly disrespected us Socially rejected us, mentally they're infecting us No plans of accepting, incarcerated the best of us Scheming and planning and now they plotting on the rest of us Society's neglected us, suddenly disrespected us Socially rejected us, mentally they're infecting us No plans of accepting, incarcerated the best of us Scheming and planning